All right, let's face it. Everyone's jumping on the podcast bandwagon, right? Well, the person who invented the term jump on the bandwagon was P.T. Barnum, and he invented a little thing called the Barnum and Bailey Circus. So let's jump on the new wave circus, Anchor. Anchor is a free podcast app that will help you distribute to uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and even more. They have tools you can use to edit your podcast wherever you are whether it be from your phone or from your laptop and uh, not only that it's free you can make your money from your podcast with no minimum listenership and all you have to do is download the free anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started i can feel it all the way down in my plums yeah so the what we're back coming at you hey everybody thanks for tuning in this is part two of the interview with gaio and uh anything you want to know about bdsm and anything you may not want to know about bdsm is absolutely covered in this episode so i appreciate you guys listening check it out and enjoy the show Ginger Shades, friend of the show, is also, she claimed submissive in a submissive dom relationship. Mm-hmm. And I know you're familiar with it and, mm-hmm. and it is a lifestyle, which I've come to learn. I'm fascinated by it. It's, it's, it's a culture I, I had no idea existed. So okay, what led you down that road or how did you know that was the road you wanted to go down or... Ooh, how much? How long is your episode usually run? You got all day, baby. I got a ton of hard drive space. Okay, because I got like so. Ah, this this taps into me figuring out, or, or not even figuring out, but me falling into the path that led me when I was in my sex addiction. Um, in the mid nineties, I got on AOL. Uh, a girl cheated on me, and my response was like, "Okay, fine. I'm going to cheat on you with as many women as possible." And in my mind, my goal was to sleep with a hundred women and then throw it in her face that I had fucked a hundred girls. And back in the early nineties, AOL was like how most everybody got on the, on the internet. Yeah. So I got, yeah. So I, yeah, so I, shameless plug. In the beginning, it was dangerous. <laughs> you didn't know what dangerous. you were meeting. <laughs> yeah. You didn't know what you were meeting. Cause sometimes you would say, oh yeah, I'm going to meet somebody. And it turned out to be like a 45 year old man or anyways. So, so it was super easy to meet people, especially you tell them, Hey, let's meet at, at a Denny's or someplace public meeting girls left and right, hooking up with them. And that ended up being a, a game with some, me and some other guys that went to we call ourselves a Denny's crew, uh, two females and three guys. Or, and one of those women that I met was about two, three years older than me. And she started taking me to sex clubs or swingers clubs. And Swingers clubs, you know, everybody hooks up with everybody, mm. um, hard swaps, soft swaps, all that stuff. But that really wasn't my jam. Like I, I was okay with other people sleeping with or other guys sleeping with her because like I didn't have that emotional connection. I didn't really care about her that much. And uh, probably three or four months into it uh, at the swingers clubs, um, once a month, every swingers club has a fet night or a fetish night. And we went on a random night and we found out, oh, hey, you know, so basically in Houston, there were at the time, I forget if it was four or five. Now there's like seven. People but, don't uh, realize how many of these clubs there are around. Oh, there's, there's so many. And, <laughs> and they're not always listed as a swingers club. They're usually listed as a not. private club Yeah, yeah. Um, on Google. And if you go and try to look for anything about it, you're not going to know anything. You have to go. It's word of mouth. Knows. Yeah. Yeah. Word of mouth or knowing and knowing. Now it's a little easier. You can find, find out on fetlife.com. But um, anyways, at the time. I'm writing that down. Fetlife. 
Correct. There's another one too that's I think is gaining traction, being better. But anyways, uh, Fit Life now the is Clubhouse like a, app. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fit Fit Life is um, now it's more like a dirty, kinky Facebook, whereas before it was more about like learning and and kind of education and meeting up with other like-minded individuals. Now it's like political and you know racist and all the same stuff that you see on Facebook. Every, how everything gets when more people get involved, huh? Yeah. 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 So you were not in the subdom state of mind yet? Not yet, no. Okay. And so I, I kind of was. I just didn't realize I was. And part of that was when I was seeing these women, it was, you know, how soon can I hook up with them? Then eventually I got to the mindset of what can I make her do to earn the chance to sleep with me? Um, because by that point, I already knew I was good in bed. And Heard that. So I was 18, 18 or 19 at the time. And in Texas... Um, age of consent is 17, or you can be within three years. So if I was 18, I could be with a 15 year old or 16 or 17. Wow. I didn't know that it would be, and then this is Texas. Other States are all over the place. Like another reason to move to Texas. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Nevada is 16, as long as you're not, um, an authority figure. So yeah. So in my mindset, it was more of like, okay, what can I get her to do? And I was getting girls to strip for me in a Denny's at two in the afternoon on the table before I did anything with them. Oh, you so, were eating for free. <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of. They probably saw you walked in, like, remember that show Cheers? Like, Norm walked in. <laughs> you walked in. Gaio! <laughs> right? Um, but, you know, so, so that kind of, that thrill, that excitement of getting people to do or subjugating women to do whatever I wanted because they wanted to be with me, that was, like, empowering, but I didn't realize what it was. So once I went to one of these clubs, um, swingers clubs uh salt was going on and met a dom and it was probably like two or three other times that i went till i finally uh you know asked for guidance how to do things and i uh, he became my mentor and i learned a lot of stuff about the history of uh bdsm but that was so it's hearsay because it's there's kind of like two so BDSM not documented around, yeah so well bdsm has been around since like uh ancient egyptian times but it's been like different forms different different titles mm-hmm. different things but um, the way we know it in the modern times kind of stems from two branches back in the 50s, 40s and 50s. So there's the Betty Page branch, which is like the um, hetero version. Mm-hmm. And then there was the uh, gay version, which is we're, we're for the leather daddies. I mean, there's probably other versions that kind of merged in later, but these are the two that I know because the guy I learned from, I learned from him in the 90s. He learned from a gay man in the 70s who started in the 50s so it was like every 20 years like you know there was this new teacher thing that was going on um the guy in the 50s he was from a group of the leather daddies that kind of started back in san francisco because everything was still kind of under even though it was more open in the 50s in san francisco than it was anywhere else it was still kind of it was also, yeah, it was very subversive, very underground. Taboo. So it was taboo. It yeah. was um, all these hidden messages and coded handshakes and stuff to be able to communicate these things because there was no internet to be able to go and <laughs> search for these things. You had to know somebody that knew somebody. And uh, anyways, from that branch, um, there was, that was more of the structure, more of the um, rule set and stuff of how to behave, how to protocols. And with the Betty Page part, it was just kind of more for fun for um domineering and subjugating the women but it was more of um being aesthetically pleasing so there was like the aesthetic side and then the hardline rules with the gays and then the gays um so again this is like hearsay from two versions so from the 
fifties uh, leather daddy to the seventies Dom that I learned from in the nineties. So this is, you know, like 80 years removed, but anyways, there's generations, right? Yeah. So there's generations to it. And, um, with the rules, some of the things that was said, and I don't know if it was my Dom that told me, or he was here saying to me, but essentially that because it was so subversive in the fifties, um, the punishment and the uh, domination and uh, masochism and all the other stuff that was in it was more severe because the doms were taking out their anger that they had on society and life and in themselves because being they hated themselves oppressed in a way right yeah, they were they were oppressed so they were uh, venting that anger that rage on their subs and then the submissives took it and accepted it because they felt they deserved that because they felt like they were less than because they weren't as masculine as they should be. And, and of course, there were some gays back then that were proud of being gay, that they were just scared to ruin their lives or their family lives because you know yeah. they had to get married and pretend the whole thing. So they enjoyed the time that they had with other men, but they had to keep it secret. And then, of course, there's the BDSM. So they kind of all merging all together in the 70s when... Um, love became free and... Right, right. So yeah, the, the, the uh, summer of love kind of opened up some doors, at least back doors yeah doors right. <laughs> we both did it um, goddamn both of us but, <laughs> but yeah so you know the, these quote-unquote uh back doors it made it a little more mainstream as far as um having these sex clubs where gays and straights would go together but it was both that understanding that this is something that they were trying to um explore and learn about and for me bdsm in general is kind of a poor man's or layman's therapy because even though you may not want to address whatever your problems are, at least you're dealing with them with a consenting partner in a way that you both agree to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, first, I guess the first thing I first thing I want to ask is: so, which branch are you in? I would fall under domination or being a dom, um, and then under that subheading, I've learned that I like the daddy little dynamic, and that can be like a whole thing as well. Uh, some of them is sometimes it's for the uh, caregiver because there's mommies and daddies and then they call mm. them caregiver depending on their um, That's sweet. gender identification thing now. But either ca- case, they could be caregivers because they never had a child. They missed a child that they lost. Something, something to deal with um, some type of trauma of like not having their child anymore. So it doesn't even have to be sexual then, is what you're saying. So that's that's another whole other thing about BDSM is that in kink, not all play scenes are sexual. There doesn't have to be penetrative sex for it to have some type of gratification or some type of closure or um, release of what you're doing. Um, You know, even I didn't know that. You just assume, you know. Yeah. And then another thing too, is that most people assume that if you're into kink, then you're DTF all the time, 24 seven. That's not always the case. Usually you just want to play with one or two. Hell yeah, bro. So Yeah, that's the problem, right? Especially after um, Fifty Shades of Shit uh, (laughs) came out and everybody's like, oh yeah, this is the greatest thing ever. But one of the big things about Fifty Shades is we in the kink community see it as rape because there's a scene where she specifically says her words and he, he blows through it. And I get how vanillas see it. Oh my God, that's so hot. He loves her so much or he wants her so bad that he can't take no for an answer, but in real life, that's not how it's, but yeah, it can't go down like yeah, that. I mean, that's not how we, how we accept it or how we do it. But then also that opened a whole subgenre of literature and even 
Um, and which, which was also the reason that started my podcast is that I was seeing a lot of subs complain about if they put anything kink related in their bio for looking for a date or like Tinder or whatever, mm. um, they get flooded with messages. Oh, I'm a real Dom. I know what I'm doing. I don't need a safe word. Or if you were a real sub, you don't need a safe word. You don't know what you're doing. And even though they know better, you know, they're still getting all these stupid messages from these guys. So that was something I wanted to address. Um, so what's yeah, the downside for uh, for someone having a safe word? I don't see what the downside to that would be at all. I mean, why why would anyone say that there that's a problem? To have or not have? No, to have one. To have a. I mean, what what's the argument against having one? I mean, isn't that? Oh, so I don't know what the argument is. I just know that they say that if you have one, then you're not a real sub. You're not a real. Um, you're not really quote unquote into kink if you have okay. a safe word. But the purpose of kink is. You're getting into kink to, like I say, it's like a, a layman's therapy to you're going in there to deal with some type of trauma in a way that you personally find acceptable mm-hmm. that you can deal with and you can accept. Um, you know, I know several females that were molested in their youth and they enjoy kink. And one of their bigger things is they can't call their dom or somebody, their partner, daddy or uncle or whatever, whoever mm-hmm. the person was their perpetrator. So they, they can enjoy everything with kink. They just don't want to use that word. And it would be kind of the same thing as that Dom or that person that's above them or has the authority making them say that word and then re-traumatizing them. But these Doms think that. Which probably know, happens, right? Sometimes it does. But <clears throat> um, these Doms think that by making the sub say daddy or uncle or whatever it is that makes them push their boundary, it makes them think that if you push through it enough, you'll get over it. Whereas, you know, people are going to go through it at their own pace. Another thing is maybe someone doesn't want to get hurt or whatever it is. Um, By having a safe word, it keeps you mentally safe from breaking or fracturing even further. Um, Like a net. Yeah. It's like, it's like your safety net while you're playing to make sure that you push to the edge, but you don't go over, you don't fall or go further than what you want to do. And that's something that we in the kink industry, um, community understand and we and we push and advocate for so what what happens if if the sub is does not do what they're told then i mean you don't have to be specific but how far do you take it just until you hear a safe word you just do whatever you feel necessary or is there levels to it or i I, there there are levels and a lot of it is being able to read body language and i'll give an example too because um been a couple years ago and so I had a sub that she is what we would call a pain slub, pain sub or pain slut, where anything and everything you do to her just makes her wetter, turns her on more. Oh, sounds good. Like slapped in the face, punched in the back of the head, <laughs> uh, pinching her nipples, pulling on them, scratching her, you know, anything that would leave bruises. The only thing that would be a, usually a caveat is to not leave any marks above the neck or below the elbow because, you know, she had a professional job. So she can't cover it. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she needs stuff, anything that's uncovered, don't do anything there, but she would still enjoy it getting slapped in the face or punched in the face. Mm -hmm. She just didn't like too much or enough to leave a bruise. Um, and if something accidentally happened, okay, whatever, you know, in the moment, both parties will either forget or not think about it. And she's okay with it. It's just more of, you know, having to deal with the, the after effects of, being seen in public with a black eye because first thing someone sees, thinks when you, a woman has a black eye, oh shit, your husband's abusive, right? Yeah, yeah. So basically just trying to avoid those kind of things because she was also married. So you can't have 
a woman have a black eye, her husband's not beating her, and then she get in trouble. Well, who beats you? Who beats you in the face? So that was a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah, um, and then uh, yeah, the husband sees the black guy. Like, hey, where'd that come from? Yeah, yeah, you know, and whatever. So, anyways, I was playing with the pain slut first. Had sex, backhanding or slapping her, choking her. Um, probably an hour later, I went to go play with um, the other one, the breast play girl. We're having sex, and I backhand her during sex, and. When I backhand her, you know, I'm still in her, facing her, and she gave me this look on her face, and in that instant, like, oh shit, I realized she yeah, didn't say I, her I fucked up. She yeah. didn't. Yeah, it was that. Oh shit, I fucked up. But we kept going. She didn't say stop. She didn't say her safe word. Um, kept going. We so you hit her again? No, no, no. <laughs> no I just started playing with her breasts. Or you're hitting her breasts. And when we were done, I realized, oh shit. Okay, hey, look, I know what happened. I apologize. You know, I got carried away and like two hours ago, I was playing with this other girl. She likes that. She goes, no, 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 I get it. You know, when I read her face, she knew it was okay. Mm-hmm. So it was, it's reading body language and understanding the other person. Uh, and with that, you know, I, I prefer to not just have safe words, but also caution words. And I don't like having just one word because a lot of times in the moment you'll forget, you know, if, if your yeah. uh, safe word is rhubarb and you're like, oh, fuck, wait, 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 wait. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, wait, what'd you say? Rhubarb, yeah. rhubarb, right? Yeah, yeah. But what I like to do is anything that's a color red, stop sign, stop, red, apple, barn, um, schoolhouse, whatever, anything that's related to the color red that can be associated with it, that's full stop, game over, get dressed, we're done. I guess good thinking. I see. And then with the cautionary word, Yellow, yeah. School bus, uh, traffic, and that's more of like, hey, hold on, this is too intense. Let's let's pause, back it up a step, and then we'll start over again. So it's more for me. I like to have that because I don't want to push to a point where it comes to a stop. But at the same time, if I go to a certain point, I know, okay, hey, we can still have fun. We can still play. But it's also important to be able to read body language. And so far, I haven't heard a safer cautionary word. In about 20 years. And I got a few cautionary words too early on. Like, uh, I want to say maybe 2002, 2003 was the last time I've had a sub or a playmate use a safe or cautionary word. That's so, that's so interesting. Like, so, so, and, and, and no disrespect, but this is an honest question. Like, have, would you ever consider being a sub? Or are you, a, once you're a sub or a dom, you're one or the other, you're never. Well, you can be both. There, there are some people that are switches. Mm hmm. Or they like being both. Um, though, in my experience, or from what I've heard from other submissives, usually switches aren't good uh, doms. This is, like again, hearsay. So this, they, they don't have the same authority, or they don't see this, the, the subs don't see the same authority in a switch as they would in a dom. Yeah, it's like, we'd love to put you in the new Scorsese film, but you did that porno in the 90s. <laughs> so. Oh, and, and I wanted to go back to that, um, oh, what was it? The question of like how to do a level with with um, with submissives of like if they you know if they misbehave or don't do yeah yeah told. so if they're not doing what they're told you know that's that's a whole other thing and that also falls into the littles because there's also brats there's there's various forms of submissives but one of them or the more prominent one nowadays is a brat to where they push your buttons and then as a dom you have to realize okay are they misbehaving because they want to get spanked because they enjoy pain. Are they testing if I'm going to be a dom and do what I say and keep my word as law? Or am I having to go, okay, she wants to get spanked. So instead I'm going to put her in the corner as a real punishment that she doesn't want. So it's one of those, it's like, it's a balancing act with it. 
Yeah, there's so many, there's so many layers to it. I, mm-hmm. I, I wish, uh, I wish I could just dip my toe into the pool with my wife sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, the there, I mean, as far as just doing what she's told. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <But> <laughs> well, the, the only downside that I have about a lot of king communities is that it's very cliquish, like high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so more often than not, to me, it's kind of like the ugly band geeks in high school that couldn't get laid are now doing the crazy, cranky, crazy, kinky shit. And they still have that high school clickish mentality of like, oh, you didn't like us when we weren't cool. And now we are cool because we're, you know, being sluts and sexy or whatever. Yeah. So, you like know, police officers. Kind of. It, it, yeah. It's very clickish. It's yeah. very clickish. Like, but cops are a lot of nerds that grew up and now they have a badge. A lot of times, yeah. yeah. Or people that were got out of the military and still have that mindset and don't want to get out of it. So, yeah. but um, yeah, going and experience it without actually, you know, jumping in. So you can dip your toes in without having to jump in, learn about what's available, learn about classes, learn about events. I think, yeah, I think I might do that. I'm, I'm, and then that way I can tell my wife about it mm-hmm. later. But um, if, I know I would, you know, I don't, I don't want to keep you too long, but I do want to, one thing I wanted to touch on, you had a really interesting answer to a question I asked about, um, for lack of a better term, you know, th- there aren't as many Latinos that are podcasting. Now, the reason I pose that is, A, I realize that I know anybody that has a couple bucks and can get a couple bucks together can become a podcaster. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it, the, the market is flooded with, and I think that it really waters it down. And from what I've heard, like, and what I, I mean by heard, what, I, what I've experienced is like Mexicans and African-Americans tend to see life from an like a, a old soul perspective mm-hmm. when you have the honkies you know <laughs> for lack of a better term i'm a, I'm a viking literally <laughs> legitimately i am a viking i'm She's icelandic my girlfriend, my girlfriend too she's uh yeah swedish Nor- nordic all the other stuff in there she's yeah 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 a little bit of all of it the, the reason i brought it up is because as far as podcasting being a, a nerdy white guy thing it, it is now absolutely but do you think that's going to change do you think it's going to get better all right, I know we left it at a cliffhanger there, but uh, did that on purpose. Make sure you guys come back and uh, hear what else Gaio and I have to talk about. Make sure you check out Gaio's show, uh, Susiest are My Favorite, on Spotify, on all the major platforms. He's doing it the right way. And check out the other episodes of YSP on youtube.com forward slash C forward slash the Yes So Podcast. And if you don't know, now you know. You know, you know. And if you do know, you still know. Still know, still know. You know? Thanks for listening, everybody. Remember, don't cheat yourself. Treat yourself.